This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Howdy, everyone. I'm Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome to With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, uh, as well as uh, at times pointing to the special challenges that arise as spiritual seekers and also challenges that arise for spiritual communities. Um, I'm uh, recording this while I'm sitting on the unceded territory of the Kaskaskia here in Missouri, that's now known as the Kansas City area, um, the tribes of the Missouri, the Osage, the Choctaw, and several others. Um, so we want to acknowledge those that are still here, still living here. Sometimes in our land acknowledgments, it sounds like past tense, and it's not. Um, so welcome, and hi, Ogan, how you doing? Another day in paradise, I think. If I keep telling myself, it might happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no palm trees behind you. Uh, no, just books. Um, and I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, um, Piscataway, Piscataway land. Um, and how, how am I doing? You know, I think I, I'm one of these people who if I don't get a lot of sunshine, I it, it affects my mood. And it's just been raining mm. on and off here in the D.C. area uh, for the last few days. But I'm excited because tomorrow um, I'm going to go down to the National Mall and um, see some fireworks. Um, nothing like Fourth of July fireworks on the National Mall. I don't usually do quote unquote patriotic things. <laughs> like, you know, I believe patriotism is a very not just subjective, but tends to be a little bit um when you use that word, it's been hijacked, I think, by by certain groups of people to mean certain things. And you know, what does that really mean when you're patriotic towards a country when you know, different peoples living in this country have vastly different experiences. Um, so there is that. However, well, there's also there's also uh, see now I'm going into a, into a, off into the ditch. <laughs> However, we can circle back. There's also a difference between patriotism and nationalism. There's there's that too. And much of what too. we're experiencing that totally sucks, that's robbing us of our rights, is nationalism. It's nationalism. That's true. That is that is a good point. That is a good point. Uh, and as, as I was saying, however, there is something very moving to be down on the National Mall. You have the uh, all the uh, the big what is it? The band, the the like the I forget which band it is, but like some National Army band or something playing mm. tunes behind you as you see the fireworks um, that are behind the national uh, the 
uh, Washington Monument. There's just something wow. about it that that moves me every time. And that's that's about as patriotic patriotic as I will get. I think once a year, once a year is good. That's enough for me. <laughs> um, I will say. So yeah. So that's that's what's that's what's going on um, with me. Well, that's enough for now. I'm sure more yeah, will come up. That'll 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 work. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I don't generally do a lot of patriotic things either. And um, I just, you know, there might be a little bit because I want to remember, you know, what is good here in the country that I live in. Um, but I'm not a big, you know, uh, raise the flag and you know all out. Exactly. But I do, I do love exactly. the fireworks. And I, I from my patio in my apartment, I actually get a 180 degree view of the the skyline, so I can see like. I just see fireworks over the skyline in every direction and uh, nice. some are closer than others. Yeah. So it is pretty cool. It's not, it's not the same as when they're right on top of you, but it is right. really pretty. And I don't have to, I don't have to do too much peopling. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. There's yeah. That. So um, before we move into today's uh, topic, which uh, is recovering headlines, we always want to thank our listeners and our subscribers here in the U S we we are listened to in most states in, in the United States and more than 24 countries around the world uh, tune in. Um, if you wanna join in the conversation right now, we are live streaming to Facebook on uh, Monday, July 3rd. And uh, so you can always go back and watch those on our Facebook page at Get Our Holy On. You can also join in that conversation there or whether you're watching live now or you watch it later. Uh, you can also connect with us on Instagram, same handle at Get Our Holy On, and you, you know, any of the uh, podcast platforms that you might use. Um, we are uh, our podcasts are on Podbean, but any pod podcast platform you can find us. You, to leave a message, we actually have a phone number. You can leave a message four one three four three eight four six five nine. Um, or if you have the letters on your numbers, it's 413-GET-HOLY, which I just like saying that, 413-GET-HOLY. <laughs> so as I said on today's episode, we're going to talk a headlines. It's three steps forward, two steps back. But before we get there, um, Ogan, you have some goodies for us. Uh, yes. Always reminding folks about our affinity groups every first and third Wednesday. Um, we come together um, and we discuss what is going on in the world and in our space from a racial context and how we can uh, take further steps to decolonize ourselves um, on the first Wednesday of the month. It's a communal group. On the third Wednesday, we divide between the white bodies and uh we always struggle with the stern bodies of culture or the non-white bodies or the all the other folks who aren't white. I don't know. What do we say these days? I know. I know. It's, uh, I'm <laughs> but, uh, always being asked and, uh, you know, I struggle. Yeah. So so um, first and third Wednesdays, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And um, coming up pretty soon as well, we are going to begin our exploration of This Hair Flesh. This is our next 846 uh, book club selection by the author Cole Arthur Riley. Um, she is a brilliant storyteller, and um, these are stories from her life and her journey that really kind of take a spiritual um, liberation uh, approach. Um, they take a Black theology, Black Christian theology approach, but um, 
it's it's still it's still beautiful um right in um mm -hmm. so we do encourage you to join us it will be thursdays from july 13th to august 10th 7 30 to 9 30 p.m and if you go to our website um, projectsanctus.com you can um, register there and we do encourage you to buy your book from a black owned bookstore uh, we have partnered with one this books and wine com you can go to their website order the book there's a link on the website for it if you use the code 846 book you get a 10 percent discount um but um i don't think amazon needs any more of your money but there are plenty of um independent bookstores especially black owned independent bookstores um that could use the support and in such a way you're creating some um racial equity and economic equity so uh, buy and your book from there. to freedom exactly so buy the book from there even if you don't join um us um at the book club this is a book worth reading on your own time and you can drop in uh any one of the um of our meetings you don't have to be there for all five sessions so um yep that's uh i think what we got going on and as always and, and can... bliss books and wine will hard copy or ebook or ebook there you go um, and as always, we appreciate any of your donations to Project Sanctus to help keep the lights on, the train running, all the all those metaphors. Um, today, um, three steps forward, two steps back. Um, as we shared in our last episode, we're going to take a little more deep dive into the sup recent Supreme Court rulings, uh, some of them which um on on the surface and in some cases a little deeper below the surface um seems to be setting us back um and as we know it is a conservative majority um supreme court um and some of their recent rulings again seem to say that uh, black folk uh, poor folk um and lgbtq folk just don't just don't count as much um but uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive in a little bit one of the things um i know we do want to look about because this was one of the last ones that i think people um were the most upset about was their the case around affirmative action and ending affirmative action um in higher education um and while that's a i guess a broad stroke uh painting of it, um, so it's uh, this was a case that really specifically was around Harvard and the University of North Carolina, um, and what they said was that um, race can really no longer be a factor um, for higher education institutions um, in relation to admission. So to be clear. Um, a long time ago, they got rid of the quotas thing, right? You had to have a certain number. So, so, so they got rid of that a while ago. Um, but for the last, you know, four or five decades, it was, you, you could, universities, the students were applying, could use the race of the student as, um, as a factor in terms of, if, um, of admitting the student. So basically, if you have two students who were just as, equally academically qualified and you know and Katanji Brown Jackson Justice Jackson made a great 
um, case appointed is out. If, um, you know, one of them is like comes from five generations of white affluent family, and then the other student was, you know, a minority student, a black student, for example, or brown student who first kid to go to college from his family and um, they were generally of lower economic status their entire time. And, you know, uh, the colleges, college could perhaps say, you know what, we, we're going to we're going to give this person uh, the seat because we believe because of their race, ethnicity, history, they I don't I don't know if deserve it more is the phrase I want to use, but I'm going to use it anyways, deserve it more <laughs> um, as as well. So, um, yeah, the Supreme Court just decided um, we're not going to do that anymore. The The thing to note here is there's still affirmative action happening, just not for the black folk anymore now. So for example, you know, you have legacy admissions. So, you know, your father and your father's father went to school here. So we're going to give you a nod or the, you know, your, your parents are on the faculty here. So we'll give you a little extra special nod or your parent is a mega donor and contributed millions of dollars and got his name on the library. And therefore we're going to give you a more of a special um, dispensation or you're more likely to be admitted. And, and those cases generally for the most part, usually more white students than not. Um, So, so there's still, so that's still in place, by the way, you know, no one said anything about those situations, but it would seem that perhaps again, generally broad stroke brush painting that one advantage that students of color might've had to get into some of these Ivy League and higher institutions has now been removed. Now, to be clear, um, when you are, when students are applying um, and they have to write that essay, they can still mention it. They can still talk about their race and and the history of their family uh, or, or adversities they've had to overcome based on race um, they can they can mention they can still write about that, but colleges and admissions offices are no longer just permitted to say, you know, we'll take the black student over the white student. Here's the thing: we know why this is a bad idea in terms of um, now making a lot of these institutions a little more white or a lot more white because it's 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 happened in other places in other states. Um, before when this has happened and within the next three to five years, the student body has become much more white than it was before. So I love that the Supreme Court um, or the conservatives on the Supreme Court, I should say, even though we have actual evidence to show that, uh, that decisions like these will uh, reduce the the diversity of the college population. It's still going to go ahead and do it anyways, mm-hmm. and that that just boggles my mind, and 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 it saddened me in many ways, and infuriated me because you know you got somebody like Clarence Thomas sitting on the Supreme Court, who undoubtedly a beneficiary of affirmative action. Yes. <laughs> And makes yep. this the d- d- decision. And I'm so like, yep. ugh, ugh. I like when uh, uh, Kachanji Brown Jackson said that 
her quote was, with let them eat cake obliviousness, today the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. But deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. And I, I like that with let them eat cake obliviousness. Um, yes, because we want to think, we want to think and want to believe that colorblindness is where we're at. And we are not. We are so not. And this is the reason no. we had things like affirmative action in place, because colorblindness yeah. does, not, does not exist. Well, that's what Pence, Pence said. He's, you know, it, you know, when he's asked, uh, you know, since he's, he's, you know, campaigning, you know, and he's, so he's doing lots of interviews. And I don't know that the man, every interview that I happen to catch, he stumbles and stutters and he never actually can answer in any definitive fashion to anything he's asked about. Um, but he, so of course he's asked about this, the Supreme Court ruling and his response, you know, the one, the few times he has a declarative statement, uh, he says, we will continue to move forward as a colorblind society. And I thought, oh my God, um, first of all, we're not a colorblind society. Second of all, yeah. why would you want a colorblind society? So clearly, I mean, you can't make it any more racist um, I know than, than, than that you know also um, you said and to be, a few to, be to be clear on when when you say why would we want a colorblind society dig into that a little bit more because generally when people yeah. are a colorblind society they they're like they're like oh yeah we don't we don't want anyone to be affected or chosen or not chosen or excluded or included because of race. We do want a colorblind society, but that's not quite, quite what that means. Right. So, yes, let me unpack that a little bit. So when we say colorblind, when we use that term colorblind, it's usually coming out of the mouths of, of uh, white folks. You know, it comes from whiteness. And it's this, um, here's, so here's this intention impact thing. Uh, that we talk about often that, you know, how dangerous intent is our intention and that can really cause so much more harm than impact. So the intention when, when someone uses the term, well, I don't see color or as Pence says, a colorblind society, what you're saying when you, you say that you don't see color is the person standing in front of you of color hears the impact that they hear is I don't exist. I don't count. You're erasing me. You know, whereas the intention when someone says that is, is they, they're thinking that if we don't see color, then there's some kind of equity or there's, you know, um, you know, we're treating everybody the same and, and that kind of thinking. The problem with it is that that is not what happens at all. Um, like your intentions are, are harmful and don't mean jack diddly. It's the impact. And the impact when you say you want a colorblind society is you, you're saying you don't want people to see people of color. You don't want you know white folks to see anyone that's not white. You don't want them to see them. Um, that's really what you're saying. And I, they, I hear people argue forever that, well, that's not what I meant. That may be not what you meant, but that's what you said. And yeah. um, it's it's about as racist as you can get, because uh, you're you're just telling anybody that's not white that you don't count. You're really you're erasing them from your presence. And the flip side is, 
why in the world would I want to, you know, just not see, you know, millions and millions of people that bring so much to my world that make it richer and more meaningful and um, in so many ways, like it's having that diversity makes everybody's life so much better. I want to see everybody. I want to see the difference. We've been raised to think that, you know, well, differences are bad. No, there's value in the differences. And that intent impact thing is pretty much demonstrated in this ruling because yeah. sure the in the intent might be towards um equity given everybody the same chance but the impact is not going to be that by right. any stretch of the imagination and it's just you know unreal that they don't see that or actually you know it they they probably do they probably do and and that's that's the whole point. Um, another another ruling um, that happened, which was um, well, the you know they said uh, uh, President Biden's plan to cancel student debt or or not cancel student debt, but to um, cancel some student debt things maxing out at twenty grand per person. Um, that that yeah. that that was an overreach. Um, so so that's been killed, although. You know, there is there is another option the president can take. We'll see if he'll do it. Uh, but then the one that was interesting and well, so not, hold on, hold sorry. on a minute. Oops, back sorry. up to Oops. the student, back up to the student debt one. So, uh -huh. you know, the, what's problematic with it is so many people that are so against it. Like you need it's that it's that um, rugged individualism thing that's that's unconsciously in there that I'm not paying for your debt for your student debt like I paid off mine you need to work hard and pay off yours not realizing that actually by keeping the stranglehold of you know predatory lenders you know on these students is um, prevents them from actually participating in our economy. It prevents them from, they're gonna, you know, less homes will be purchased, fewer vacations, not eating out, going to college, right? Their children, having a family, um, any anything, you know, economic by keeping that stranglehold um, and, you know, uh, uh, just having these student loans go on forever and ever and ever because of interest and such, you are keeping, you know, 43 million people out of, you know, enriching the economy. And, and you know, um, it, it's the, rather than going from the top down, what Biden is doing is going from the bottom up to make the country a little bit stronger, a little, uh, a little bit easier. And the number of people that are railing against it also got um, their PPP loans from COVID forgiven, you know, 500,000. There's one one guy got 2.1 million in PPP yeah. loans forgiven, you know, 79,000. You know, the average PPP loan that got forgiven was $70,000. And you want to argue about $10,000. Yeah, it's infuriating. It's infuriating. It keeps the it keeps the wealth gap. It keeps the gap between mm -hmm. um, it just affects marginalized, you know, individuals or those that don't have a lot of resources. It just keeps that gap bigger and bigger. Yes, it does. Um, you can tell I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. 
So the other rule in which is interesting is the, the rule that a Christian graphic artist who designs wedding websites can refuse to work with same-sex couples. Uh, the court said forcing this designer to create a website would violate her free speech rights under the First Amendment. This decision suggests that artists, photographers, videographers, and writers are among those who can refuse to offer what the court called expressive services if doing so would run contrary to, to their beliefs. But that's different from other businesses not engaged in speech and not covered by the First Amendment like restaurants and hotels. So basically, if you're doing anything creative, you can discriminate. <laughs> well, and I mean, this was- That's kind of what they're saying, right? <laughs> yeah, but this wasn't even a real, this wasn't even oh, no. a real, there was no client, yeah. there was no, it was just a yeah. hypothetical. Yeah, exactly. Wanted, wanted, wanted to set it up, wanted, wanted to legalize and get the discrimination sanctioned before the business was open. Just so they right. don't have to go through the through the trouble afterwards. Uh, you right. know, points for points for forward thinking, I guess. Uh, but, but anyway, I so so here's yeah. here here's here's where I kind of have here's where honestly I on on face value I'm like this is a horrible ruin, and at the same time I'm like okay let me pause on this because what if the reverse were what what if the shoes were on the other feet so for example say you are an lgbtq designer and some neo-nazi decides they want to use your business to create you know some alt-right propaganda flyers or something right. um or or some specifically anti-gay product um, if I if I were a queer business owner, I wouldn't want to do business with them, right? right? So so this ruling, I guess, now says I don't have to. So in a weird way, it kind of benefits both sides. Now, to be, be clear, clear, yeah. To be clear, if I were a queer customer, I wouldn't want to go do business with um, some anti-gay business owner. I I wouldn't want to give them my money. But again, there may be some places where you don't have that option, you know, some small town or something where, you know, your your opportunity, your um, options for for the you know product or business you want to engage in is very limited. So so you're right. In that case, you shouldn't have to drive 200 miles to find someone who will you know bake your cake if you want to have your you know, same sex wedding or whatever. Um, so I, for me, honestly, I'm a little, I'm a little torn by this decision, but because of the way it is set up, um, it is, it is definitely an anti LGBTQ ruling. Right. And at the same time, it does provide that leeway for if the situation was reversed, if I were a queer business owner, again, I don't have to do business with, um, with someone who is anti-queer. So I don't right. know. I'm, I'm kind of in the, in the same camp. And I, I, if I identified as LGBTQ plus, I, you know, I might ha have a different perspective on it. And what my, actually what my hope is, is that she gets completely bombarded 
<laughs> in social media and, and places. And um, it's the have your cake and eat it too thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, if this is how you're going to be in the world then and free speech, then you got to know that those that oppose your ideology and your thinking and your business practices, you will hear from. Yeah, I imagine. Um, but she's, I don't know, like you said, she's, I don't know that she's actually gotten going, you know, as a business. So just setting a precedent, that's really how I look at it is it's just laying the groundwork for more that's coming. Cause you know, the next thing coming is going after same sex marriage. So yeah, it's, I think it's laying the groundwork for that. There's um, but in, in, you were talking about, you know, the creative thing, and Michael Imperioli, who uh, is he's best known for he played on The Sopranos and The White Lotus. And he put out a, um, a, a message, a press release that said he's decided to forbid bigots and homophobes from watching The Sopranos, The White Lotus, Goodfellas or any movie or TV show that he's been in. Now, I don't know how you would do that. And I just I'm, I just was glad that somebody is somebody stands up and says something somebody that's famous like i guess that's what i kind of wait for that you have a a huge platform why are more people that have these platforms you know famous people in hollywood or musicians or something why are they not um you know say something so i just thought it was interesting that he uh you know, he says, thank you, Supreme Court, for allowing me to discriminate and exclude those who I don't agree with and I'm opposed to. Um, so, I mean, his his message was clearly, I guess, sarcastic or but he, he was making a point. And I don't know how you would forbid people from watching certain shows, but it makes me think. I don't know. I think it was more some clearly more a symbolic point. <laughs> than yes, anything I know. Else, but, I know. But but to your point, but to your point. It draws attention. Yes, it draws attention yeah. to the two two things. Um, well, it's similar to. Well, it 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 reminds me of the. And I don't. Again, it's just making a point. What he's doing, you know, you can't watch. I'm gonna filter out bigots and homophobes. I mean, you. I don't know how you do that, but the whole um, uh, defox your box initiative, where so if a cable company has the Fox channel as part of their lineup. Um, Mm -hmm. You can, there's a a program that you can, they call it defox your box. So you can, you know, petition your cable company to stop providing the Fox channel, right? And when you sign up with a, a cable company, you just get the lineup of channels. You don't generally get to choose which channels. Mm. And, and But you pay a little bit of money for to have every channel you have. That's where your bill comes from. And right. Fox is the most expensive. It's very expensive. So people are doing this defox your box. Um, I like it. And, I like it. Yeah, yeah. And so you, it's just through, you know, money money talks and it's actually working so there so i bring that up because i'm thinking there's got to be a way <laughs> what he said uh, you know we'll, we'll 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 see what happens sure somebody not? will figure it out somebody will figure it out uh speaking of trying to figure things out and um figure things out towards equity california is still in the midst of this um the studying this investigation into actually making reparations um a real a real thing they 
you know, they have a Department of Justice Reparations Task Force is um, issuing a set of reparations proposals. And this include anything from cash payouts of upwards of a million dollars to Black descendants of slaves, restoration of property that may have been once owned uh, by Black folk that was stolen. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're actually taking this more from a, from a hypothetical to an actual real thing. Yeah, and, they've completed know, the report and they're, you know, taking it to legislature. They know there'll be uphill battles, but the fact that yeah. they actually have a final report, uh, I think is amazing. Yes. Like, like you said, going from hypothetical, you know, we weren't just saying it. Yeah. They looked at state data on um, the financial impact of harm in health, housing discrimination, um, unjust property takings, devaluation of Black businesses, and uh, mass incarceration and over-policing. So, um, you know, there could be more things, but, but these were the main five categories that they could say, here is how it has cost Black people in our state. And, and if we were to do the math around, around what it costs the Black people in our state, yeah, we average out at about $1.2 million per person. Yeah, here's, here's hoping that not only that that comes to pass, but that it sets a precedent for um, other states to look at reparations again not just as this boogeyman or this hypothetical like we can never figure out how to do this to actually um something real and 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 to be clear this has been done before right this has been done before um if you remember um world war was it world war ii when mm-hmm. um the uh, japanese americans were right. forced into government-run internment camps um because, you know, any, any Japanese and American could be a spy. So let's round them all up. Um, but um, in the 80s, um, the, the government paid um, 20 grand to each surviving uh, detainee of that experience to say, like, um, of course, no dollar amount could make up for just the horror and the indignity However, it's acknowledging that we made a mistake um, and this is, this is our way of making amends. And that's really what it is about, making amends. We know that um, the economy of the U.S. was built on the backs of free and exploited labor. I mean, say free labor, exploited labor um, yeah. of, of Africans and their descendants um so well in in california specifically they which was not a uh um you know part of the south uh you know the slavery had been a was never uh legal uh it wasn't i don't know that it was never legal but anyway slavery was not legal in california and yet during the gold rush um the people that were you know, mining for gold had, were bringing Black folks from the South, from Southern California, and enslaving them to do the, the mining for gold. So they're acknowledging that in their history, and, and that is part of um, these reparations. Uh, I don't think most people realize that, that um, 
that that had gone on, even though California was not, um, uh, did not have, slavery was not uh, legal. Um, and speaking of, um, speaking of places, other places acknowledging their part in the horrors of uh, slavery um, in Amsterdam, um, mm. King Wil- 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 Wilhelm Alexander of the Netherlands apologized recently for his country's role in slavery and asked for forgiveness during a speech uh, to commemorate the anniversary of the abolition, abolition of slavery in Dutch colonies. So that's a step, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I kind of was like, mm, okay, and what are you going to do? Because they, <clears throat> you know, also, not just within their own country, but responsible for um, the slave trade. Uh, yes. So, so um, places in North Cor- America. In the, yeah. Places in the Caribbean, like, like Suriname is an example of a country uh, that the Dutch, by the way, the Dutch responsible for um, when we think of, when we think of the Caribbean and we think uh, a lot of agricultural practices, um, sugarcane was a big and still continues to be a, a cash crop. Many Caribbean islands like, Barbados, where I grew up, um, and and the Dutch were the ones who really um, um, mastered the the process of bringing uh, the sugarcane from from Southeast Asia, where it's native to, and bringing it to the Caribbean and um, creating plantations and getting that whole industry started. Um, mm-hmm. Research showed that the king's ancestors basically earned the modern day equivalent of almost $600 million from slavery. Um, And chances are none of the folks who worked in the field saw any of that. Now chances are pretty pretty sure they haven't. Um, The government there is establishing a $217 million fund for initiatives that can tackle the legacy of slavery in the Netherlands and its former colonies and improve education around the uh, the history so uh i mean i guess i guess it's a step in the right direction <laughs> um there's acknowledgement there's recognition there's like let's support education whereas like here in the u.s people are seeking to to silence the education and ban the books and not talk about yeah. it so i guess that's better and i would still like for the king to go like, you know what, let me, let me dip into my family ancestral coffers and maybe yeah. redistribute some of those millions um, that I earned um, from my family being part of the uh, Dutch West India companies, what, what they, what the transatlantic mm. slave uh, organization that they ran was called. So yeah, um, and and lots of and also not just not just in the Caribbean, but in but in African colonies as well. Um, they uh, yeah, they made a mess there too. The Dutch. All right. Well, lots of European countries made a mess everywhere. They so. they did, but it was primarily mm-hmm. like it was primarily the British, the Dutch. Yes the French, the Spanish, and the Portuguese. Those were like the big, the big five who kind of made a mess of the rest of the world with their efforts to colonize. Yeah. Those, those those were the big five and And subjugate and erase and all the things. Um, 
can we let's talk let's let's share some good news some good news yeah you, you wanted to talk about the the internet broadband internet expansion yes i do uh but one one piece of good news before we go there is oh, okay. um in terms of the um uh the the affirmative action the supreme court ruling to you know dismantling affirmative action uh mm -hmm. charles barkley um put uh in his wills he gave five million dollars to support black students at auburn university um so in response to the supreme court ruling he charles barkley the retired basketball player uh, for the phoenix suns in case you don't know who he is um and i think that uh that that's you know good news and i think yeah. that that it's a call for others to <clears throat> so the supreme court may say this and we get to respond with what you know i can't change the supreme court ruling and how do how do we you know how do you work with that and move around it other than you know we keep voting and move people out of offices in the meantime you know if you have um financial resources you know you know we do a, a grassroots kind of affirmative action because you're not going to stop you know it's it's just it, it may seem a little tricky or you have to pause and take a breath and figure out okay what do you do next Representative John Lewis, the late Representative John Lewis, who said over and over, it's already done. We just have to figure out how to make it real. And it's yeah. that figure out how to make it real that we just have to keep coming back to. Um, so I just wanted to give a little, little light, even though it's just such a horrid ruling. Um, so back to broadband, uh, the um, Biden administration announced, you know, as part of this infrastructure, this giant, what was it, two trillion, three trillion infrastructure act bill mm -hmm. um, that I never know whether to say act or bill. But anyway, that that was passed with a lot of pushback, of course, from, you know, Republicans, the conservative, um, most all of them. And it what it what the bill was, was really to connect everybody um, can give everyone in America affordable, reliable, high-speed internet. And I think that that is um, news to really, really celebrate. Um, it is, it shouldn't be a luxury, right? It's really, we've reached a place in our society that it's necessary for us to do our jobs, to participate equally, you know, in our jobs, in school, to access healthcare. I mean, how many telemed appointments have we each had? Um, and not that every health, appointment should be telemed but but and just to stay connected um to family and friends you know because of not having access to that like during covid when everything was shut down and you couldn't connect to family and friends um those without broadband really suffered and the people that really suffered are are people that are you know resource poor that are in the rural areas of of every state, um, there's um, and largely those rural areas actually are very red, and um, and yep. I think it will be interesting because I think how I think more people are going to vote. You know, as as these rural um, 
poverty stricken areas, you know, get high speed internet and it becomes something that's for everybody, I think more and more people are going to like, okay, however I'm registered, Democrat, Republican, independent, libertarian, whatever, um, really are looking to, well, who's helping me, right? Who's doing something for me and doing something that that's for everybody. And this, this, you know, this um, $40 billion to bring broadband to everywhere is like FDR's um, electrification act, where he brought electricity to nearly every home and farm in America. Um, and of course, he got, you know, people said no, that, you know, uh, and he did it anyway. And uh, it's hard to imagine you know, if that had not happened, where we might be, I guess eventually it would have happened, but how long would people have gone without electricity, which means, again, without um, good health care, without, um, you know, connecting to the rest of the world with, I mean, it affects everything, education, health care, um, e even like uh, grocery, you know, like being able, having access to, to, good food. And so I'm just, um, I'm just very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, I think it's long overdue. Um, yes. And, you know, on the heels of that, not on the heels of that, but in addition to that part of the whole infrastructure bill was also establishing uh, charging stations for electric cars, right? Because everybody's like, yeah. oh, we got to have electric cars. Well, they need to be charged somewhere. Um, right. So, so, so yeah, I love, and it is astounding, you're right, that it's 2023 and there's still so many areas that don't have broadband or affordable broadband. I know that uh, um, Elon Musk was trying to establish these like satellite broadband connections and um, folks who've been able to connect with that have had like mixed results in terms, terms of quality or connectivity, you know. Anything, anything that requires a satellite dish pointing into the sky is only as good as the thunderstorm cloud <laughs> that's going to yeah. interrupt it. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully um, whatever they've got planned will be something a lot more effective. But, you know, it's it also floors me that, you know, you have one party who is doing their best to create some tangible benefits for every single American and another party who just wants to create benefits for the rich and it's it's yeah uh you can't really compare the two but apparently we do apparently we do well and it's and there are you know the kind of the disgusting piece of it is you know the republicans as they take their check you know these republicans that were completely against this infrastructure bill um now are are you know Yay! I got a check for the state that I represent for this infrastructure law, and um, it just—they're taking—they're taking credit for the bill they didn't want happen. That's that right. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. In um, Alabama, Tommy Tuberville uh, in South Carolina, um, Janitor, uh, Senator John Cronin in Texas—you know—they're all getting, and he in Texas got three point three billion for broadband, um, yep. but was completely down on the bill and you know against it and now they're saying thank you and i i'm my hope is that people just see that and and just remember 
when it comes time to vote, you know, who's taking care of you that I think if we can get away from, I got to vote Republican, I got to vote Democratic. No, just vote for who's taking care of you. I think if you oppose the bill, you shouldn't get the money. That's, I mean, unfortunately that will harm, that will affect, yeah. you know, the, the, the poorest of poor in the state. But then I think if that happens and the poorest of the poor probably won't reelect people who will oppose the, uh, an infrastructure bill that helps them out. I don't know. That's just where yeah. I am with that. You oppose it. You're on record for voting against the bill. You don't get to benefit. You don't get to reap the benefits of yeah, it. I know. You know, and the people in and, your and, state could be like, wait, why does the state next door get all this good stuff and we don't? Well, because your representative voted against it and then I get him out. I mean, that seems fair-ish. <laughs> I know, but you also wind up punishing people who didn't vote in their crazy ass senator congress. Just, just for a short amount of time. Just yeah, for a short right. amount of time. Put them at right? the end of the line. We'll do all exactly. these other places first. Yeah. Right. Just a short amount of time. And then when they reelect somebody that's had some more common sense, then yeah. they'll reap the benefits later. I know it's a flawed plan, but you know, it infuriates me, infuriates me. I think he's taking the high road and just working from the bottom up. I know. Ugh, damn it's, high and road. It, and <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, and having Rev in front of our name doesn't change that. No, not doesn't at all. Doesn't change no, the high, how enough. high the road is or not. Not at all. Nope. <sighs> um, but let us, it's sorry, those, it's those, it's so just last thing, it's, you know, it's those, mm-hmm. There's so many, there's millions of people, you know, that these rural areas are largely, you know, red. And so these, um, you know, uh, they're going to, they'll pay the heaviest price by not, you know, yes. if we, if we did your plan, <laughs> which a lot of people are, you're not alone. There's, there's, I'm just saying, a, I know, I know. I'm just saying, I think we would re, we would get better people elected if we did that. That's, yep. Well, yeah. this, this money talks. We'll money, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, let us come full circle as we wrap up. We are recording on the 3rd of July. Tomorrow is uh, Nation's Independence Day. And, you know, it is one of those, it is one of those days that, you know, historically is complicated because when uh, the states declared their independence from the tyranny of the British and we're now an independent nation. It was very clear that that freedom did not extend to every person who lived in the United, these United States. And it wouldn't extend for centuries. Arguably it still does not extend (laughs) uh, uh, as well. Um, And um, this was just so pointedly addressed in uh, by Frederick Douglass, um, mm-hmm. who 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 wrote, you know, what is what is what does this mean to the to the Negro? Yep. What's the meaning of the Fourth of July to the Negro to the slave? To yeah. the slave. Yeah. He did that, and um, he gave that speech in um, uh, eighteen fifty-two. So. Uh, long before Lincoln came along, um, mm. and he was uh, he was asked to give the speech at uh, in Rochester. Um, that's where he lived. Um, uh, part of um, some abolition related events, uh, 
he uh, but he, he gave that he gave the speech commemorating the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And it was it's a very long speech, uh, but I think it's worth reading if you can go Dr. Google it. Um, but it, it's really very quite um, he is poking hard at his audience. Uh, and he says, this 4th of July is yours, not mine. Because keep in mind, this is a black man. He had escaped slavery in the South and, and headed North. Um, and uh, in 1852, he was three fifths of a human, right? That's what our constitution said. And yeah. so, um, so he says, the 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. And then he says, do you mean citizens to mock me by asking me to speak today? Um, I don't know that I could have said yes if I was asked, like in his position. So I think it's, I think it's important that we continue to ask that question, like what is the 4th of July really for non-white people? Um, and at the beginning, at the top of the hour, or top of the podcast, I, I made mention of the American Revolution being unfinished. And this is what I mean by it. Um, just because these policies might be in place, you know, and just because there was an Emancipation Proclamation and then, you know, Civil Rights Acts, which, you know, the government has did, done a good job of, you know, chopping away at, yeah. um, doesn't mean that there's this equity or independence or liberation that people tend to think is that they're celebrating that patriotism thing. Very mixed feelings about patriotism. You know, there are good things about the country I live in and there's some things that I, if I'm out of the country, I don't want someone to know I'm an American. There is, there is that. Um, so however you celebrate um, um, independence uh, this week, um, do be mindful of that. Do be mindful of that that we may be a freestanding nation, but not everyone in the nation stands as free as everybody else. And what right. can we work to, how can we work to level that out? How can we create more equity and justice um, for those of us who just don't have the same liberties um, as yeah. others? Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, let us, uh, bring this to a close by reminding you, the listeners, to uh, visit projectsanctus.com to um, share donation and to sign up for our book study of this year, Flesh, and to sign up to attend our affinity groups and whatever else we might have going on. We've got some stuff coming down the pike for you. We'll let you know about soon. And please share this podcast with your friends, your family. Um, let them know they can find us on all the platforms or online at withloveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. So until we meet again. Put your holy on. Yeah.